a motivational speaker named Travis Robertson. He said, consider the statements below and see if any of them resonate with you. It's not my fault that I'm overweight. My parents were overweight and it runs in the family. It's not my fault that I have anger issues. My dad abused me when I was a child. It's not my fault that I lie. I had to lie in order to survive growing up. It's not my fault that I lost my job. My company was mismanaged and the manager was stupid. It's not my fault that I'm addicted to pain pills because I had that accident. It's not my fault. Let me go ahead and tell you, there are a lot of things that people are saying is not my fault. But let me go ahead and tell you, even if something in your life is not your fault, it is still your responsibility. Uh, it's amazing to me. Uh, and matter of fact, I almost titled my message this morning, It Is My Fault, because so many things, and I'm going to talk about this in just a second, so many things in our life are our fault, even though we don't want to admit it, okay? Uh, but there are some things in our life that are not our fault. But no matter what, your life is your responsibility. So no matter what situation in life, it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. So we're going to talk about several things this morning, but I do want to talk about the fact that so many times we try to pass the blame in every aspect of our life. I cannot tell you, let me go and tell you, most of us who are overweight, I'm in that category, I'd like to tell you I just have a slow metabolism, I'd like to tell you I have a hormone imbalance, but the truth is, I'm overweight because I eat too much junk and I don't exercise regularly. That's why I'm overweight. Okay? I mean, that's if we're all being honest, that is why we have a little extra around, around the midsection. I could blame all the things, but it really is my fault. There are too many times we try to blame our finances. Well, you know, it's this pandemic, and well, you know, you know my, I, I don't make as much money as I should, and well, the truth is most of us are broke because we spend a bunch of money on stuff we don't need. We buy stuff on credit cards because we'll pay for it later. We have a, bunch of, have a bunch of payments that we don't need. And we'd like to blame the president. We'd like to blame our boss. And we'd like to blame, you know, our wife always shopping on Amazon. We'd like to blame everybody else. Oh, I, I don't mean to step on nobody's toes this morning. We'd like to blame all these things, but in reality, the reason we're always broke is because we refuse to make a budget, we refuse to live below our means, we refuse, why? Because I deserve these things, right? It is our fault, we don't want to admit it. It's amazing to me, people, especially deal with teenagers, okay? Listen, and there's adults, you know, they, they got a new significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend every month, I mean... They change boyfriend, girlfriends more often than I change the filter in my air conditioner, okay? I mean, literally. I mean, that's not an over-exaggeration. And, you know, if you talk to them, what? they're all crazy. That's the problem. Every girl I meet, she's crazy. That's the issue. Like, yeah, that's the issue. The last 12 girls you dated, they were all crazy. That's the problem, right? I mean, that's just, it's always someone else's fault. I was a teacher for seven years. I taught in a private school. Now, Teaching in a private school is different than teaching in a public school. You deal with the different, different issues. But I will tell you, teaching in a private school is different because not only are you dealing with people's children, you're dealing with people's money. They pay for their children to be there. And there were times parents would never admit 
that they, it was their fault or their child's fault. It was always the teacher's fault. Well, why has my child got an F? Well, if the teacher just don't like him, the teacher's not doing their job. Well, every other student in the class is doing fine. It's just your child, and your child's failing all his classes. So it's not just that one teacher. So let's look at the common, it's not my child. I pay good money for my child to be here. Y'all need to do your job, and oh, Lord, it's amazing. We always like to pass the blame. We never want to admit that something is our fault. But I just want to go ahead and tell you, as a Christian, as an adult, can I tell you how many times I've had this conversation with a 16, 17, 18-year-old? If you want to be treated like an adult, you need to act like an adult, okay? That's it. You can't act like a child and demand to be treated like an adult. Let me go ahead and tell you, we got 20, 30, 40, 50-year-olds that refuse to take, well, that's a different situation, but they refuse to take ownership of their life. I have seen grown adults, 40s, 50s, still blaming their childhood for all their problems. Now listen, if you grew up in a rough childhood, I'm sorry. It's a difficult situation. I'm being recorded this morning, so I won't give a personal, uh, I won't give details, but I personally know somebody who grew up in the worst situation you could ever imagine. All kinds of abuse, every type you could think of. Drug, drugs in the house. All kinds of problems. I'm telling you that their childhood is the kind of childhood they show on a movie to show why a villain is a villain. That's the kind of childhood they have. And you would never know it looking at them today because at some point in their life, they decided my past does not define my future. Was it their fault that they were abused as a child? No, it was not their fault. Was it their fault that they would go to bed hungry because there was no food in the house because their parents had spent the money on drugs and alcohol? No, it was not their fault. Those things were not their fault, but their life is still their responsibility, and it's our responsibility, our lives. When we stand before God, Romans 14, 12, we don't have to turn there. We're going to turn some other, other verses. We're going to do a lot of turning. Romans 14, 12 says, we will all give an account unto God for ourselves. Listen, I'm not going to go and give an account for anybody else in this room. I'm not going to stand before God and he's going to ask me about, about your life. I have to give an account for my life. And there will be no excuses when you stand before God. You won't be able to say, well, you know, it's kind of the way I was made, God. I was born with, uh, with, uh, with anger issues, God. You should know that. You made me. That's not the way it's going to work. There will be no excuse. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we're going to do a lot of turning, so you have to keep your Bibles out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 9, 9 through 11. He says, Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. I want to talk about some things this morning that are our responsibility. I want you to get that. It is my responsibility. You can't blame somebody else. You can't say that was somebody else's job. I was joking around this morning. Somebody said, well, when are we starting Sunday school? I said, hey, 
That's not, I don't make that decision. That's above my pay grade, right? I'm just, you know, out joking around. But there are things in our life that it's our responsibility, everyone's responsibility. We have to make sure that even if your past wasn't your fault, and I don't know, I don't know everybody's past. Listen, I, I had the blessing of growing up in a home with two parents. That's, listen, that's a blessing. I, I understand that. I've been around enough uh, teenagers and children who are going through divorce, and it's, it's difficult. And uh, adults convince themselves, well, you know, children are resilient. No, it's, it's hard on children. It's hard on teenagers. I was blessed that I didn't have to deal with that growing up. I was blessed that I got to go to a Christian school. I was blessed that I grew up in a good church. I was blessed that I had a youth pastor who uh, poured into my life. I, I, I was blessed uh, with so many things, but that just gives me more responsibility. That, that means I have more to answer for because of my blessing. And I don't, it doesn't matter what your past was like, you are responsible for your future. And I've said it to, to teenagers all the time. You're not responsible for someone else's actions, but you are responsible for your own. That's it. You're responsible for the way you act and the way you react. So there's a couple things we need to take responsibility in our lives. And the first thing we need to take responsibility for in our lives is our sin. We need to take responsibility for our sin. We like to pass on the fault. And it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. If you take notes, I'll give you the verses. We won't read them word for word. Genesis 3, 9 through 13, God comes. Adam, where are you? He says, I was hiding because I was naked. He said, who told you you were naked? He says, that woman, you gave her to me. That woman that you gave me made me eat of the fruit of the tree. It wasn't me, God. It was that woman. And you should have known better when you gave her to me. I mean, think about it. This is what Adam says. It's not me. And when he goes to Eve, he says, Eve, what happened? Let me tell you, that snake, he tricked me. What are we doing? Passing the blame. Pass the blame. Pass the blame. It's not my fault, God. It's not me. But we do the same thing. We, we like to uh, uh, blame, well, you know, it's the culture that we're growing up in. It's the culture that we live in. Well, nowadays it's the norm. I don't care. Sin is the norm. The Bible says don't sin, you don't do it. I don't care how normal it is. I'll just go ahead and tell you, that's just the way it is. If it became normal for people to walk around with no clothes on, guess what? I'm still going to put clothes on. That's just, yeah, hello, amen. We're going to do it. Why? Because we're not going to do that. That's wrong. Just because something's normal, just because the world has normalized sin does not mean we should take part in it. James chapter 1. The book of James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. He says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil neither tempteth he with neither tempteth he any man but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death can i tell you how many times i've heard this 
Well, I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I've heard it from adults, and I've definitely heard it from teenagers. Well, you know, Brother Forrester, I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, when I was a teacher, you know, Mr. Forrester, I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know what that means? That means they were in the wrong place at the wrong time because they got caught. You see, they knew exactly where they were going. They knew exactly who was going to be there. They knew exactly what was going to be going on at that place when they got there. The wrong place, wrong time was getting caught. They sinned on purpose. Let me go ahead and tell you, adults do this all the time. Well, you know, uh, you, know you, you deal with uh, married couples, and, and one of them has committed adultery. He says, well, you know, it just happened. It did not. Liar did not just happen. You weren't walking in the street, bumped into each other, and said, hey, let's kiss. That's not the way it works. You put yourself in a situation with somebody you knew was going to be a problem, and you purposefully went off and got along with somebody. I talked to my wife. I said, I don't see how people have the time and the money to cheat. It takes work to cheat. You understand that? That don't just happen. You did that on purpose. Well, you know, brother, I just, I, you know, I, I went there and I ended up drinking. Well, you knew there was going to be alcohol. You, I mean, what, did somebody hold you down and force it down your throat? No. You knew it was going to be there. You did it on purpose. But we don't want to own our sin. We don't want to own our problems. We don't want to own our mistakes. Let me go ahead and tell you two of the hardest words to say, I'm sorry. You know why? Because you have to humble yourself and you have to admit that you did wrong. Listen, I don't care who you are. It is so hard to say. But we need to take responsibility for the sin in our lives. Well, you don't understand. I was in a situation. Listen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10. Let me read this verse. I don't want to misquote it. He says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with temptation, listen to this, also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. You never have no choice. I cannot tell you why I didn't have a choice. Oh, you had a choice. You just didn't want to accept the repercussions of not sinning. Well, you know, I was in a situation. The guys were making fun of me, and they were egging me on, and if I would have said no, they would have, yeah. The repercussions of saying no is you might, you know, your buddies might, might, might not invite you to the next party. But the repercussions of saying yes is you've sinned against the Lord God Almighty. Now you've got sin in your life. I didn't have a choice. Yes, you did. God doesn't lie. God says you always have a choice. Says it right there in black and white. He says, with temptation, I will also make a way to escape. There is always a choice. Whatever sin is in your life, and we all struggle with different sins whether it be some kind of sexual sin or it be some kind of, if it be, if you're a liar, I, listen, I know people who lie and they lie for no good reason. They just lie to be lying. Whether it be uh, you, you have a habit of uh, stealing or you have a habit of looking at things you shouldn't look at or it could be gossip. You have a, you have a, a, a gossip problem. You talk about people. Backbiting is the word the Bible uses. Whatever your sin is, you need to own it. Because after you own it, then you can go to God and confess it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As long as you're talking to God saying, God, it's not my fault. God, it's my wife's fault. God, it's my kid's fault. God, it's my parents' fault. Then you're never going to be right with God because you're never going to confess that sin until you take responsibility for it. And I don't care how big it is. I don't care how small it is. In, uh, in the book of Psalms, David says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not hear me. And I don't ever want to take the chance that when I pray, God's not going to listen. I, I don't want to take that chance. I want to make sure when I need to pray, God's going to hear me. And there is nothing between me and my Savior. We have got to take responsibility for our life. Quit blaming others even if something was not your fault if you were abused or if you were abandoned or whatever situation it is if it wasn't your fault the rest of your life is still your responsibility you cannot blame someone for the rest of your life and you sure can't blame someone for for, for eternity which is the next point not only do we need to take responsibility for our sin as christians and as non-christians but we need to take responsibility for our eternity john chapter 3 john chapter 3 verse 16 we all know this verse but we're going to read through verse 18 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he that believeth on him is not condemned listen but he that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Listen, there's a question that gets asked regularly if you deal with people who are not Christian. How could a good God send people to hell? Listen, the Bible says we are condemned already. And because we have a good God, he created a way for us not to have to go to hell. You are born on the road to hell. You understand that? We are born with a sin nature. I don't have to teach my children to lie. Never did. One of the, one of the memories that will always stick in my head. I imagine Alyssa was about two, which would make Chloe about four. And one of the rules at my house was we do not open the door to go outside. You don't open that door. You know, I don't care if someone's knocking. I don't care if we're getting ready. You don't open that door because the last thing I need is for a child to walk out the door and get hurt. And I don't know where they're at. We don't open the door. Well, we're getting ready to go, and I notice the door's open before we're ready to walk out. I said, who opened the door? Chloe says, Alyssa. Well, guess what? I know Alyssa ain't big enough to open that door. But what's even better is Alyssa had just learned to talk, and she goes, she waddles up. She, does, she was a little nugget. Okay, she, she waddles up. Uh-uh, Chloe did. Let me tell you, <laughs> Chloe's eyes got this big. She realized it's over. All this stuff I've been blaming Alyssa for, I can't blame her no more. Because Alyssa's big enough now to say, no, uh quote we did. And uh, she realized she was caught. I didn't have to teach her that. I didn't have to sit her down and say, hey, listen, you got a new baby sister. You know what that means? You can blame all this stuff on her. Yeah, it's going to be awesome until she learns to talk. Just blame her for everything. I didn't have to tell her that. That came natural. Let me go ahead and tell you, you put two children in the, in the nursery, you don't have to talk, bring one child and say, listen, all these toys are yours. Don't let nobody, if somebody else has a toy, you whine and cry until you get their toy. And then if they pick up another toy, you want that toy. They're all yours, no sharing. You don't have to tell a child that. That comes natural, right? 
You don't have to teach a child that. Why? Because sin is our nature. And God does not send us to hell. We are born on the road to hell, and he sent his son down to die on the cross and to pay for your sin and to pay for my sin so that we don't have to spend eternity there. We have a good God, a loving God, who has prepared a way for us to spend eternity with him. And there's only one way to get there. You know, they used to say all roads lead to Rome. All roads don't lead to God. All roads don't lead to heaven. A lot of people think, well, if I just do good enough, if I'm just a good enough person, if I'm a good enough mom, a good enough daddy, good enough child, good enough parent, I can get in there. But Ephesians says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of man, lest any man should boast. There's nothing you can do. Nothing. You're not going to get in front of God and smooth talk your way into heaven. Listen, it's amazing to me the number of people I talk to that think that. Well, when I get to God, when I get to heaven, me and God will have a conversation. Won't be no conversation. When you get to eternity, you will be stuck with the knowledge of your sin, and you will see the holiness of God. I just go ahead and tell you, the one thing you cannot even imagine is the presence, the holiness of God. Because when Isaiah saw it, he bowed his head and said, woe is me. You won't smooth talk a holy God in eternity. The only way is through Jesus Christ. And let me go ahead and tell you, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you're not a Christian, you've got today to choose. He says, for today is the day of salvation. There would be no excuse. You can't say you didn't know. Right now, everyone makes a choice. When you hear the gospel as an unsaved person, at that moment, you make a choice to accept Christ or reject him. That's it. And when you stand before God as a Christian, you will know I'm only here, I'm only allowed into heaven because I accepted Christ. I'm not here to brag about anything that I've done. And if you stand there unsaved, you will know the reason I'm not allowed into heaven is because I rejected Christ. And it is my fault. And it was my responsibility. So we have to take responsibility for our sin. We have to take responsibility for our eternity. I have four points, so don't get too excited. Three, point number three is... We need to take responsibility for our personal problems. Mm. Galatians chapter 6. And I'm not going to spend too much time here because I talked about it a little bit in the earlier point. But Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7, says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not... Be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, I want you to understand, there are what I call natural repercussions, okay? If you spend the rest of your life smoking, you're probably going to have lung issues. And that's not because God hates you. That's not because God's striking you down. It's because when you smoke a pack a day for 40 years, you have lung problems, Okay? Listen, if you eat junk for 50 years, right, and you never exercise, you live a stagnant life, guess what? Eventually, you're going to have heart problems. If I run out on I-95 without looking whether somebody's coming and I get hit, they would say, you dummy, why in the world would you run across I-95 without looking to see if any cars are coming? Right? Those are natural 
repercussions. It's amazing to me. Have kids. Well, Brother Forrest, you don't understand. My, my mom and dad, they're just mean, and I think they hate me, and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, dude. And listen, I, one thing I like about teenagers rather than little children, all right, that's why I deal with teenagers more often, because I can look at teenagers and tell them straight, okay? Say, say dude, the reason your parents are punishing you is because you're a moron. <laughs> listen, I'm sorry if I've said that to your child and you got offended, but it, listen, you don't listen to nothing they tell you to do. You're failing all your classes because you refuse to do work. You don't obey the rules. You, get, you have a bad attitude with your mama. Every time your daddy tries to tell you something, you act like he's an idiot. The problem is you, not your parents. And the kids don't like to hear that. But there's adults need to hear that too. Listen, there are natural repercussions. Listen, it kills me. All right, Whenever I get a flat tire, I don't think, oh, I got a flat tire today. God's trying to tell me something. No, I think I run my tires until they're bald because I don't want to buy a new set of tires. And that's why I got a flat tire is because I'm about 100,000 miles over what the recommended mileage is for these tires. That's natural repercussions, okay? And sometimes we need to take responsibility for the problems in our life. Like I said, well, I'm just broke. I'm always broke. Well, quit going out to eat three times a week, you bonehead. Okay? Lord have mercy. Take responsibility for the problems in your life. We have to be willing to admit that we're not perfect. Listen, ladies, you've not been blessed like my wife has with the perfect husband. I'm just joking, okay? She's not in here, so I can say that. She's probably here laughing from the, from the nursery. We're not perfect. None of us are. So we need to be willing to admit, hey, maybe, maybe my wife's in a bad mood because I should have remembered our anniversary. All right, well, maybe there's a reason my husband came home in a bad mood. Let me talk to him and find out rather than assuming he's just a jerk. Oh, you had a bad day at work. Listen, we have to be willing to give grace, and we have to be willing to admit when we mess up. There are some problems in our life that are not our fault. I can't explain to you why a six-month-old gets cancer. I can't explain that. That's nobody's fault. I can't explain to you when someone dies suddenly, when someone gets sick. You know, something happens in our life. Sometimes it's not natural repercussions. Sometimes it's just life. Now, is it possible God put that there? It is. But we just live in a fallen world where people get sick and people die. It happens. And sometimes it's not our fault that we're having a bad day. But Romans 5, chapter 1 through 5 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Glory in tribulations. I don't know anybody who oversleeps and has car problems and has marital problems and said, Dear Lord, thank you, hallelujah, for all my problems. But that's what it says, glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience, experience and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Even if something's not your fault, it is still your responsibility to grow in grace. That phrase is all over the Bible. We need to grow in grace. I can't explain to you why a child gets sick. But as a parent, it's our responsibility to learn from that experience and to grow from that experience. 
and maybe to be able to shine a light in someone else's life when they're going through the same problem. You understand that? It might not be our fault, but everything in life comes with responsibility. And the Bible says, even if your life is full of trouble, full of tribulation, it is your responsibility to learn from it, to grow from it, and then shed that grace into somebody else's life. We have a responsibility, and our responsibility reaches into eternity. You understand that? Our responsibility isn't just... Well, it's my responsibility to be good with my money and to be healthy because today it makes me happy. No, our responsibility links to eternity. Always does. Because everything we do comes from and is for the Lord God Almighty. And lastly, it's our responsibility to do right no matter the circumstances. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. I'm going to read several verses, 8 through 17. He says, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Let me go ahead and tell you, there's a lot of people, even Christians, sometimes especially Christians, who are lacking compassion toward their brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, kind-hearted, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips, that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil. I like that word when I think eschew. When you read that word, I want you to think, chew it up and spit it out. Eschew evil. I want you to chew it up and spit it out. Eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace. And ensue it, pursue, not only you know, look for it, but go after it with, with energy, with vigor. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. Be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. We have to do right no matter what. Treat people with kindness and with love no matter what. Eschew evil. Chew it up. Spit it out. Avoid sin. We like to blame our circumstances, blame our surroundings. Let me tell you, you know what Joseph did when Potiphar's wife came to him? Caught him in the house. He happened to be in the house by himself. I'm sure he had done his best not to let that happen, but he found himself in the house by himself with Potiphar's wife, and she grabbed a hold of him and said, come lie with me. What do you think would have happened if Joseph said, well, you know, Miss Potiphar's wife, let's just sit here on the edge of the bed and discuss why this is a bad idea and have a conversation. No, what did he do? He ran. He beat feet. He was gone. I'm not staying around here. Why? Because he eschewed evil. This is wrong. This is sin. And I don't care what happens. I don't care who says what. 
I'm not going to do it. Not going to happen. Let me go ahead and tell you, Joseph 100% could have done exactly what Potiphar's wife asked him to do, got away with it scot-free 100%, and he knew that. The only thing that would have happened is I'm sure some of the other little servants would have been talking. See, he probably in this lifetime would have received zero repercussions other than the fact that it would have ruined his testimony. And that was enough for Joseph to say, I'm not going to do it. Doing wrong is not about getting caught. I hate to break it to you. Well, it's only illegal if you get caught. No, it's not. That's not. That sounds funny. But no, sin is sin, even if God's the only one who knows it. And he got away from it. Why? Because he took responsibility for his life. You understand? Joseph had it rough. His brothers hated him, threw him in the pit, wanted to kill him. But then they said, no, let's not kill him. Let's sell him to these slave traders, sold him to slavery. Come on. You think you don't every now and then have a woe is me moment? Like, Lord, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? I've never done anything wrong. I've tried to live my life right. I pray. I worship. But he did right no matter what. And we have a weak Christianity. We have churches all over the United States of America call themselves churches. And they are willing to bend to sin just because it's popular. They are willing to let sin into the church house. Because, well, we need that tithe money. Let me go ahead and tell you, God don't need nobody tithe money enough to let sin into the church house. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. There's not any amount of money that could be given to allow some of the things that are going on. It's just the way it is. And I'm being recorded. There's a couple things I want to say, but I'm, I'm, I'll wait till this evening when I'm not being recorded to say it. We are responsible for living right. If there is sin in your life, it is your responsibility to deal with it. Period. 100%. And the good news is, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, God's not like we are. You see, when somebody comes to me uh, and... um, and let's, let's say it was my child. Maybe you've dealt with this. Your child does something you explicitly told them not to do. Okay? You find out about it, and they admit to it after you bring it up to them. And you can forgive them. You can give them their punishment. But there's always that disappointment in our heart. There's always that, I cannot believe that my child would do that. There's always that in our minds that we never quite let go of. Same with your husband, wife. There's certain things that are just always nagging at you because we're human. But you know what? When God forgives, he doesn't bring it up anymore. He doesn't think about it anymore. It's that sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't bring it up. It doesn't ever come up in his mind. And that is a wonderful thing. And if we have sin in our lives, we need to take responsibility for it. And we need to confess it so that we can get it out of our lives, so that we can have the kind of relationship with God that we can have. And then once our relationship with God is correct, that'll make a difference in our relationship with the people around them. Let me go ahead and tell you, 
I've dealt with it over and over again. Let me tell you your problem. Let me tell you your problem with your wife. You need to get right with God. Let me tell you your problem with your parents. You need to get right with God. Let me tell you your problem with your children. You need to get right with God. And they came in my office wanting to complain about their parents. And they left being told it was their fault and they needed to get right with God. I've had husbands want to sit and, I, and they want to complain about their wife. And they leave being told the problem is you're wrong and you need to get right with God. We all need to take responsibility. We need to uh, look at our lives. Like David said, he said, search me, O God. Show me my problems. Show me my sin so that I can get it right. Our last verse that we'll read, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 17. Romans 12, 17 through 21. He says, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, Live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. I love that passage. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Listen, we have got to humble ourselves before the Lord. Because I'll go ahead and tell you, you preach a message like this, inevitably there's somebody sitting there saying, well, you know, it's not my fault. This is, he, he just don't understand. He doesn't, I'm the exception. If you're sitting here and you've thought that the whole time, then you're the one who really needs to be listening. Because there are no exceptions. When we all stand before God, we will all give an account for what we did in our body. What did you do with Christ? What did you do with your salvation? How did you live your life? Did you shine a light? Were you salt in other people's life? Or were you like pouring salt in the wound? Made things worse. Pushed them away from God. Pushed them away from Christ. We have to take responsibility. We cannot be overcome of evil, but we overcome evil with good. We are 100% responsible for our own actions our own decisions, and our own attitudes. We have got to take the time to make sure that we are growing closer to God. He says, draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you. Right? He says, if you will come and you will confess, I will forgive you. If you put in the work to draw near to me, I will draw near to you. God's word will not return in vain. We know all these things. But we have to stop making excuses and start taking responsibility for the things in our life. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, I thank you for this day. And I thank you for all that you've given us. And I thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. And Lord, it's natural for all of us to not want to humble ourselves and admit when we're wrong. We all struggle with it at some point. Lord, I pray you'll help us as a church. I pray you'll help us to confess our sins to get right with you. Help us to spend time in your word. Help us to spend time in prayer. Help us to grow in your grace. Help us to love one another the way you've called us to love one another so that we can go out. We can be salt and light in our community. We can be salt and light in our world. I pray that you'll just help us. I pray that you will bless us, Lord, and help us to grow closer to you every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, we're going to take just a, just a minute. And if you'd like to come and pray.
uh, while McLeesa plays, uh, you, we've got plenty of time. So you come, you pray, or you can pray right where you are this morning. change my heart, oh God. 